Ladies and gentlemen, we have breaking news from Recon Cinema Studios. We're here with our executive vice president of communication, Silas Buttermaker. Uh, he's, he's got an official announcement. Uh, take it away. Whereas Recon Cinema Studios is located in the heart of a city populated by ladies and gentlemen of questionable morals, idealistic naivete, unearned pride, and heightened narcissism, and whereas our organization prides itself on promoting individual liberties, a personal space, and civilized decorum, and whereas the bodies who may find themselves within studio limits should have the right to be unconcerned about those bodily gyrations, exposed flesh, and provocatively tight clothing of those who move to the various beats and rhythms, and whereas cavorting, carousing, tomfoolery, and revelry lead to immoral and licentious activities, whether by means of the foxtrot, charleston, jitterbug, flamenco, tango, salsa, swing, disco, the carlton, the worm, poppin' and or lockin', dabbing, any manner of whips and nays et al. And whereas we, the undersigned, believe ourselves to be of sound mind and take responsibility to protect those who populate our grounds from unbecoming behavior and spiritual corruption. Now, therefore, we declare that all forms of dancing shall not be permitted on or about Recon Cinema properties from this episode onward until the heat death of the universe and beyond. Welcome back to Reconcinimation. I am John Diner. I'm David Munchak. And this is your show where we talk about the 70s, 80s, and 90s and our favorite films from that, uh, th- those eras and our youth. And you heard it here uh, from, from Silas Buttermaker. There's, there is dancing is outlawed. We're done. It's a, it's, there's been a big change. We're, we're not allowing the dancing and cavorting and all that. Anybody who knows David and I knows that we are dancers. We, we yeah. dance all the time. Mm-hmm. Almost nothing can stop us, but I, you know, it was official. It was made official. Yeah, I, it was time. Like In our hearts, we are dancers. In our feet, we are dancers. Yeah, definitely there. Uh, in sure. our souls. But it has no place here at Recon Cinema Studios, so it's, time to mo- it's just time to move on. You're right, and, but, but we can talk about it. Well, we sure. Talk. We can't do it. We can talk about sure. it. Sure. I mean, we talk about um, gambling, murder, uh-huh. uh, and all, can't do, can't, all sorts of bad behavior, but at least we're can't not do doing murder. most of that. <laughs> <laughs> can't do murder, no. Yeah. That's outlawed that, everywhere. That is also outlawed, yeah. <laughs> so let's put dancing on the same level as, as <laughs> yeah. murder. Uh, so, yeah, happy birthday to, to Footloose. 
Yeah, what? How how many years now? Foot, Mr. Footloose is 35. Mr. Footloose. <laughs> 35 years young. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful, Mr. Footloose. Mr. Footloose and doesn't look a day over 34. Yeah. February of 1984. Yes. Footloose came out? Footloose, yeah. Can it, can you believe it? I I do remember God, I I have a lot of different memories about Footloose. Mhm. I actually didn't see the movie right away, but I always remember it. It was always around. Yeah. There was always, like, it was either on TV mm-hmm. or friends of mine had the videotape and, like, the box was always, like, near the VCR. You oh, know? really? Because it had to be ready it, yeah. to go. Ready to go <laughs> at all times. Uh, <laughs> and or, it better be rewound. <laughs> There's going to be trouble. Be kind, rewind. Exactly. Uh, or... The soundtrack was, you know, everybody had the soundtrack. Yeah. That was, we'll talk about that later, but that was huge. I was not a guy who really had an awareness of Footloose. I knew it existed. I never watched it as a kid or a preteen, uh, teen, um, young adult, uh, post-grad, all the, all those things I used to be. <laughs> and, um, but, uh, and, and I don't think it was even, it, it just never came up for me, but what I didn't realize was all those songs I had a complete awareness of. Did not know half of them came from Footloose. I had you, no idea. You couldn't live in the 80s and not hear the soundtrack, whether you realized it or not. Yeah. These songs were everywhere, and they made it into other media, other movies, just TV shows, commercials, and obviously on the radio a lot. Like, And they, they, were, they were hits. <laughs> yeah, I didn't actually uh, – I didn't watch – it all the way through. I mean, I had seen pieces of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw, I remember being at my friend Ryan's house as a kid. And I want to say we we're in third grade and mm-hmm. uh, we watched about halfway through and then something happened. And, and I had to, I had to leave before we finished the movie. Okay. Uh, you bailed. Yeah. I had to bail. I had to get out of there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was too intense. <laughs> That's all another story. Okay, got it. Save that one for uh, off air. For for reconcinimation confessionals <laughs> after dark. After dark. That's where we get into it. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I didn't see this all the way through till college. Okay. And then I watched it again a few years ago, mm-hmm. and it was one of those like I don't know. I woke up and I just put it. It was like a Sunday morning. Watched it and I was super into it. Uh-huh. Like just. I don't know. My brain was in the on the right wavelength. Yeah, uh, and uh, and and I've been like up and down about the movie. Like I didn't love it as a kid because I hadn't seen it all the way through. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't, you know, I, I enjoyed it more now. Yeah, well, there's a lot of joyousness to to it with with. with the young kids and the dancing and all of that. And there's not a ton of dancing in it, but there's a lot of, a lot of great music, a lot of discussion of dancing. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's, uh, there's just sort of a lot of joyfulness and that, that, that finale portion of it. I don't know how you don't get hyped just watching all these people dance in these. It's just a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, you know, it just sort of caps off the whole thing. But, um, I, 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 I wish I had sort of known about this, but I, I think I probably would not have liked it that much as a kid. Like, yeah. I mean, I was, again, I, well, would I think, like, yeah, the, yeah, that might be why I didn't. Cause I wasn't really, I mean, I'd seen West side story and other musicals, but like mm-hmm. dancing was not something I was attracted to. Yeah. Dancing. It's now it's, it's totally different. Everybody, everybody knows that about me. Yeah. You, that well, if there's dancing, 
before the proclamation tonight. <laughs> yeah. I was there. You were there. Yeah. Yeah. You were giving it your all. Yeah. Um, You've seen me at rap parties. Mm-hmm. Come on. <laughs> uh, you bring the party every time. I So this is a film where uh, watching it for the first time straight through just for this show where I had seen th- the musical theater version of this movie 15 years ago. I don't know. But uh, and I don't really remember it. And um, and that's when I learned like a lot of those songs are from Footloose. And then uh, just but this is just this is like sort of perfectly 80s, but but still in an, an, an innocent 80s form. Just there's nothing like like too deep about this, too dark. It's just sort of it's kind of fluff, but it's, I think it's solid. It's it's quintessential 80s. Like when yeah. you think about 80s movies this is like one of the right at the top. Yeah. Not maybe not number one, mm-hmm. but it's up there with breakfast club, Ferris Bueller, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's very high up there. It's a very, it kind of encompasses everything, everything eighties in it. Yeah. Well, eighties was certainly a, 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 a youth re- youthful revolution kind of thing, especially in the film in films and everything. So yeah. I think that's gotta be, this is, yeah, this ranks up there with them. I don't know if it's as beloved as, Sort of the the John Hughes's of the of the world, but it certainly has its place. I think. You know. Well, yeah, I mean, it doesn't. And we'll again, we'll talk about this as we get into the show, but it doesn't have the depth of some of those. Like Breakfast Club has. There's a lot of layers there. Sure. Depth, yeah. and then it coats it with the eightiesness of it all. But yeah. there's a real story underneath there. Yeah. This is is a pretty as a story is a pretty surface level. It's not um, super super psychologically deep right so yeah it's 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 very 80s it's a funny thing that this movie's 35 years old and as we're talking about it now this movie is um closer in occur in uh, closer to 9-11 than 9-11 is to us stop it today stop it <laughs> that's how far removed from 9-11 we are. Let's, not, let's not go there i'm not making light of the thing i'm just saying the time between I don't like Footloose and 9-11 <laughs> is shorter than the time between 9-11 and today. I, that is not a happy thought to me. <laughs> it's not a happy thought. It's just a fact. Yeah, it is true, sadly. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, geez. Yeah. Who oh, were boy. we? Where And where have we gone? Who have we become? Well, we're the, we're the owners of reconsidimation, <laughs> uh, so we, we got that going for us. Yeah. And we're, we're placing uh, big proclamations, throwing the band hammer, yeah. just de- making decrees. We're in charge. You know, just just dialing back for one second. The <laughs> other thing I remember about Footloose uh-huh. is, of course, working at Suncoast Motion Picture Company. R.I.P. Uh, yeah, R.I.P. On all of the Paramount home videos, it was built around the promo for Paramount home video was built around Footloose. Oh, really? It like started with Kevin Bacon up, you know, that close up of him saying, "Let's dance." Let's, or, yeah. Let's, yeah, uh, yeah. And with the uh, glitter. yeah, with yeah. the glitter, and then it's then it's Footloose, uh-huh. like is the song over the montage of all the Paramount movies. Oh, I see. And it was about like two minutes, two minutes long, and before every movie, when I ran it in the store, it was uh, oh neat, very popular. That's cool. Yeah, so that was kind of ingrained in my head, and that was again before I had actually watched the movie. Yeah. So, so like when you watched it again, like did that moment? Do you just have like a a weird bodily uh, oh, memory, yeah. like yeah, <laughs> of being in the store, of like holding a, the the box of the VHS? Yeah. My kids were asking me the other day, like, 
what exactly it was a VHS. Oh yeah, yeah. You've you've shown them VHS tapes. They have. You have a massive collection, don't you? Yeah, but like I don't have a player anymore. Oh. So they like sit up in the attic, and I don't think they really like thought about them. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, analog media. Yeah. They must think that's cool. Yeah, it's like it was on a tape. It was a movie, but it was on this tape. It's a magnet. Wound through the machine. Mm-hmm. They're like, what? Huh? Huh? You're old. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. <laughs> uh, so Footloose is uh, loosely based on a true story. Oh, Loosely, very some, loosely, but some young young buck comes to town from the big city, <laughs> changes never, everything no, up. That never happened. Oh, okay, there, ever anywhere. Okay, that's ne- that's <laughs> never been a real story. That story element never existed. <laughs> People don't move from town to town. Uh, it was based on the town of Elmore City, Oklahoma, and they had put a ban on, basically put a ban on dancing, in the late. 1800s okay there's there's lots of debate about exactly when it happened but and and i tried to find an actual uh you know real like listing of what that proc what what that law was oh yeah yeah but it's i i couldn't find it yeah it's got it's probably it's probably just in some dusty book it's not even like not scanned digitized and uploaded to the to the web i can only imagine it's on microfiche in the elmore city library oh it's gotta be yeah you know what maybe we should do a field trip should we get on the jet tonight and uh just head yeah. over right so after we're done here all right i'm gonna text text there text uh arthur jake. pilot J- jake, or jake. And, yeah well jake and arthur they're the pilot and co-pilot yeah yeah, yeah. they all switch right. off like Fuel if we fly at night jet arthur's the pilot if yeah. we fly during the day jake's the pilot yeah well, have, someone's got to sleep, so because we they stay in the plane the whole time. Yeah, they live in the plane. They live there. <laughs> All right, they're gonna yeah they're gonna work on it. Right, and, so should, uh, by the time we're out. done, we could probably uh, mm-hmm. you know I don't know where the airstrip there is in Elmore City. Well, that's their job. They'll figure it. Yeah, out. they'll yeah. I'm not gonna worry about that. Just get in the air and figure out Just where the get it. What, how you're gonna land later? Yeah, get the clearance in the air. Yeah. <laughs> so Elmore had the ban. It did. Yeah, uh, and supposedly. I don't know if this is true, but supposedly this is the only town that had an official law against dancing. Okay. Whether or not that's true, I don't know, or how you could really prove that. Right. There's so many small towns that probably at some point in time had issues with this. Yeah. I would imagine that when Elvis Presley got big and, and yeah. you know, everything with him on TV and, and not showing his hips and yep. parents reacting to that, that... I, I would have thought there have been more small towns that that uh, would react like this. Really? In the 50s. Sure. I mean, right. But they were all going to the sock hops. They were all going to the, it's also, the dances. Like yeah. A, I, I think it might have been a machine that was going too strongly to stop at that point. Yeah, but. yeah. Um, I get, you know, I could see a town having an ordinance, like, especially in like sort of a puritanical kind of time where... Yeah. If the if it if the idea is probably kind of protecting youths from gathering and and you know because it always means trouble. It's always trouble. You get more than two youths together, <laughs> and it's trouble. They're a gang. <laughs> two, three youths is a gang. Nothing good's gonna happen. Two youths is a couple. Three is a gang. <laughs> Four is a mob. Yeah, <laughs> uh, absolute mob. And, and yeah. five is is uncontrollable riot. That's it. Yeah, That's and it. six is. The end of the world as we know it. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but so students in, in Elmore City petitioned and finally got this overturned in 1980. And there was ah. a big article, I think, in People Magazine. We'll, we'll post a link to that uh, that came out that uh, kind of discussed all of this. And, mm-hmm. and by that point, it wasn't – I think it was almost forgotten that it was a law. And it was overturned in 1980 uh, after the students petitioned to have, have it uh, – abolished they got it so, lifted got yeah it. okay yeah the ban yeah. was lifted uh-huh. but all the way in 2017 it was still an issue in some places and you guessed it still in oklahoma oh <laughs> uh there's a town there's a town there called henrietta oklahoma who uh also had a had a not a law but there was a there was some kind of a ban on it and what triggered it was the uh someone was putting together a dance and it was too close to a church which Ah. triggered the reaction to shut the dance down Ah. and you created a whole a whole thing especially in the trump era and uh you know religion versus uh youthful freedom and it was uh yeah but i think that was uh that was actually overturned as well and yeah everything everyone was happy after that happy and dancing it's 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 fine to be reasonable about dancing probably that's that's the message there <laughs> i'm not fine with it i'm not going to be reasonable <laughs> the band continues your dancing is very unreasonable <laughs> it is uh so when the, after the article came out in 1980 uh dean pitchford who was a lyricist uh, a songwriter a screenwriter as well he had just won an Oscar for Fame. Oh yeah, was very involved with that, and I think he was involved with the series as well. Fame the ser- Fame the yeah. series. Yeah, Fame the show. Great song. Fame won awards. Fame. Yeah, I'm gonna live forever. You, yep, you All got right. it. All right. Uh, so he wrote the script for Paramount. Uh, Paramount was coming off of Flashdance in 1983, mm. and they're looking. You know, that was such a huge movie. Another another kind of like moment that obviously the famous shots and scene from flash dances iconic 80s yeah but that is also kind of a uh people forget about the rest of flash dance so (laughs) there's a whole lot more going on in that movie so we'll we'll get to that one day but uh uh paramount's trying to capitalize off the popularity of that and kind of rolls quickly into Footloose. Well, yeah, Paramount. I mean, they had a, a couple dancing movies in the '80s. Yeah, I think more you got than, you got a list. Uh, I mean, you know, with Flash, and they also had Staying Alive that year as well. You're damn right about that. <laughs> and you know, so they they had their their Saturday Night Fever, you know, franchise. They got Flash Dance. You need more dancing. What are you gonna do? You get Pitchford to come in. And you recruit a young guy to show you how to move. How do you not have a part three to Saturday Night Fever? I don't know. Did you have you seen Staying Alive? I have not. It is crazy. Is it? it is. It's a crazy movie. What's the plot? It's nothing. <laughs> I I saw it a long time ago, so okay. I I don't want to like miss okay. say it. Yeah. Uh, it's nothing like Saturday Night Fever. He is that same character, mm-hmm. but that's it. Okay. Stallone just... directed it. Oh, all right. You know, right around Rocky Three zone, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's got a quick little cameo in the movie, too, 
mm. where they like cross each other on the street. It's just oh neat. Yeah, all right. Masturbation, really. But Hitchcock did it. Exactly. Yeah, right. He did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's and there's a couple of Travolta movies like Perfect with Jamie Lee Curtis where it's all about their bodies moving and gyrating. Oh, all that's, right. That's the whole movie, what it's about. Okay. Just gyrating bodies. There's a lot of memes out there if you want to look up from Perfect with oh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Get those memes on my computer. So dancing movies are hot. They are. They're yeah. hot right now. Yeah. Or then. You're coming off disco. Yeah, disco. And you're morphing into, you know, in, into the mid-'80s. So sure. clubs are getting big and... It's a hot time. Hot time People, for music. Yeah, let's dance. Yeah. Uh, they hired, originally hired, of all people, they hired Michael Cimino to direct this movie. What do I know Cimino? You from? would know him from The Deer Hunter, hmm. Heaven's Gate, Uh huh. Uh, The Pope of Greenwich Village, okay. one of your all-time favorites. Yeah. Uh, not quite the lineup I would have uh, thought that would lead into a movie like Footloose. Right. That's like that's like doing all those movies and like you know directing a Britney Spears uh, Crossroads. Yeah. Movie, right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Was that? Didn't Joe Dante do that? Who did Crossroads? He did not. Did he? Did not. <laughs> did we talk about so, that? No. We talked yet. about another movie called Crossroads. Uh, yes. That's right. with Ralph Macchio. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know when when Britney's Crossroads was coming out. I thought someone was talking about Ralph Macchio's Crossroads, uh-huh. and I was very confused. Okay. Very confused. Where you're like, why are they remaking it? It's perfect. <laughs> they already did it right. <laughs> it's one and done. So uh, Chimino is, is, comes in, and I think this, by this point in his career, uh, things had gotten a little wild for him, and he was, he was getting a little wild with his ideas and needs and and the way he wanted to direct his his films and the scope of them so he is demanding a quarter of a million dollars to rewrite the movie and Whoa. and you know as an increase in his fee paramount was already he's already kind of thin i on thin ice he had the deer hunter was a, a very successful fantastic one of my favorite movies yeah super depressing but uh, so are most of them in the seventies, but sure. <laughs> uh, Heaven's Gate was a you know epic disaster, and it sunk United Artists, and it was it was really it was like Heaven's Gate, and then for Coppola, Apocalypse Now were two of the movies that kind of stopped their careers from being that A list you know level for the rest of their lives. Even though they would have creative respect, they. They needed guidance and they needed to be controlled while making their movies because they would just go out over budget and over schedule and everything would get out of hand. Uh-huh. So, you know, his Chimino's career was on thin ice at this point. Okay. So it didn't take much. He's out of the picture. And they bring in Herbert Ross, who was doing smaller scale movies in the, in this, throughout the 70s and into the early 80s. He did The Goodbye Girl, uh, California Suite, Pennies from Heaven, Max Dugan Returns, I think was what he did just before this, which is a Jason Robards uh, movie with, um, I just blanked on her name, the lead actor, Marsha Mason. Ah, Marsha Mason. uh, Who was also in The Goodbye Girl. But, you know, smaller scale movies, more dramatic. Uh, I think he's a lot more online for this kind of story. Mm -hmm. Doesn't have to be an epic big film that Chimino was going to end up making it. I see. 
so yeah, so Herbert Ross is in, and, and right. they're off to the races, and big success with this one. Yeah, is this his biggest movie? I I believe it is. Yeah, yeah, hmm. yeah. interesting. Uh, he did a bunch of films after this, but yeah. but. Uh, and then the casting process started, which was all over the place. You, want, you gotta, you gotta start casting. You got that's one of the first things you do on you, a movie. You get, I mean, you get that script, you start casting. Sometimes you can't even get a movie made without without uh, an actor. <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes. Uh, so offers went out to Tom Cruise, who who uh, the studio loved from Risky Business. They thought he was he would be a perfect perfect guy to play Ren, mm-hmm. the Rebel. Uh, but he was doing all the right moves and wasn't available, and it wasn't gonna. The schedule wasn't gonna work. Ugh. Nor were they willing to wait. They really wanted to rush this into production. They had to get it out. They went to Tom. Uh, sorry, not Tom Cruise. They went to Rob Lowe, Rob Lowe. who had just heard his. I think he. I want to say he might have been doing Young Blood, okay, the hockey movie. Yeah, it's possible. I could be incorrect about that. But he had a knee injury and wouldn't have been able to do all the physical. Uh, stuff that was needed for this role, although he wanted it really badly. So Paramount was just going after the outsiders. They're just one by one, one like just going down the they, list. I think they leapfrogged Emilio. <laughs> yeah. think maybe he wasn't. Maybe he could have been. I don't know. Uh, see Thomas Howell as as Ren. I could see so it. We could. Yeah, I could see he that. Could, he'd be. You know, he'd be a fine Willard too. Yes. You know. Yeah, he would have. Yeah, he'd probably be Willard. Yeah. You know, you don't want to go to Swayze because that would have just. Oh boy, this movie was big, but with Swayze, oh, Swayze, oof. this thing would be gigantic. Be on Jupiter, it would have just exploded off of Earth. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? We were making a movie, and it's gone. Uh, so the, they finally landed on Kevin Bacon after seeing him in Diner. Oh yeah, yeah, Diner, great movie. Yeah, it's uh, it's my favorite Paul Reiser movie. Is that really? <laughs> <laughs> no, wait, that's Alien Two. Gotta go, Aliens. Yeah, <laughs> Alien. Excuse me. Why is it? I was. Yeah, did you say that. Alien Two? I just did said you Alien Two. Alien Two. Alien, the second one. Never once was it called that, <laughs> David. Uh, so they saw saw him in Diner. Thought he'd be, you know, he he had the right look and was the right age. Believe it or not, although he was twenty four. Yeah, playing a sixteen year old. Yeah, yeah, 16, 17. Well, no, senior dance. So 17. 17. Yeah. Or he's a smart 16. A smart He could be. Yeah. He's a smart. He's, he's a sharp kid. He's definitely got sharp outfits <laughs> and smart looking ties. <laughs> uh, so he had to actually choose between. He was up for the lead in John Carpenter's Christine. Ah. Uh, another cool movie. But uh, yeah. he had to. They, they had to try to convince him to give up a sure thing. They thought, you know, Christine was going to be a big movie. Yeah. And he basically had that part. Uh, do that or take a risk. Do this musical kind of dancing movie that may or may not be a hit. Hopefully it is. But, uh, you know, what do you want to do? And I think he wanted to take a chance. And he he had an interesting career by this point. We talked about him a little bit during Friday the 13th. Oh, but yeah. he'd been around for a while. Yeah, He'd, he'd been, been around busy. six or seven years at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, because the outsiders was just not the outsiders. Excuse me. What was right before this for him? It was, uh, uh he did. Wait. Well, let's see. He did 
He started out with Animal House, a very small role there, but yeah. kind of famously he was in that. Friday the 13th was 1980. Diner was the... He was really just coming off of that. Was right he had done a couple there. of other movies, too, but those were his more oh, yeah, yeah. successful ones. Okay, that's right. Okay. So, yeah, been busy, worked a lot. But he... Like, if you look at him in Footloose and you look at him in Friday the 13th, I think he looks older in Friday the 13th. Well, he seems older in Animal House. Yeah. Like, he, somehow they... I well, think... he's in college. Like, <laughs> his first movie is in college. Yeah. Seven years later, he's playing a high schooler. <laughs> yeah. And the way I don't know if it's the way they shot it or lit it or just you know the just, way they pampered him that he yeah. really does he looks he looks younger he just seems younger well the way they feather his hair yeah. you know like you know he's light on it you know he's he's, he's light very light feet. like you know is like Willard is like a bigger broader guy so he's he's surrounded by these all the other high schoolers look gigantic because yeah. they're played by men yeah and, but, but they're like, like forty five years old too. <laughs> yeah but like he always looks tiny in comparison so like. You know, he's just he's tiny and and quick. Yeah, uh, like I think the and I, yeah, he just carries himself like a kid. Like yeah, like Friday the Thirteenth. I don't know. Like he's definitely young, but yeah. he seems taller and he seems yeah. more. I don't know, like a bigger guy yeah, yeah. than he physically is. Mm-hmm. Maybe everyone else was teeny tiny on that movie. It's interesting. Maybe you know, it's just the proper, the right lighting and the yep. the right costuming and hair. Movie magic. You make anyone be. Young, old, <laughs> just a, just the they right make, age. They can make me look young. Yeah, it's crazy. They could, I'd love them to CGI you as you know twenty year old you. Yeah, dancing your heart out as I did. <laughs> you would do all the moves, but they would just <laughs> they would graft on your youthful look. Uh, they were also casting obviously the role of Ariel, which was. Yeah. Uh, there is a crazy list of people who supposedly were offered this part and turned it down. Yeah. Listen to that. Stand by. L- listen to that. How many people? Okay? Daryl Hannah, Melanie Griffith, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michelle Pfeiffer, Patricia Arquette. I'm sorry, Rosanna Arquette. <laughs> Heather Locklear, Meg Ryan, Jennifer Jason Lee, Jodie Foster, Phoebe Cates, Diane Lane, and Brooke Shields. I don't want any of them. I, yeah, no to all of them. No, no. thank you. I, I don't know if that's true. That is a lot of. That could be that thing of like, you know, they're considering. Well, Jamie Lee Curtis, the same year or the year before, did Trading Places. There's no way she plays a high school girl in 1984. Yeah, no. She's, you know, college girl, okay. But high school, no. No. So I don't buy that one. There's a couple of these I don't really, mm-hmm. I, I don't buy, but. A few of them would have worked back then. Meg Ryan, for sure, would have been, you know. Yeah. Top Gun was 86. You subtract a couple of years. Sure. I'd probably bought that one. It's all in the haircut. Melanie Griffith would have worked, I think. Uh, so, I don't know. You know, well, I don't know how true that uh, that is. That could be that Hollywood rumor mill. I think it is just that that you, there's always that story that just gets boosted. Yeah. A little extra. Oh, they were talking to everybody. They wanted everybody. But you know they might have conversations. I doubt offers. Yeah, or they not. sent scripts to you yeah. know for them to read. But yeah, yeah. read this. Half of these half like. of these ladies could have played Vi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but eventually went to Laurie Singer, who was on the series Fame. So oh. there was likely some kind of connection between her and and uh, mm-hmm. and Dean Pitchford. I, I'm I'm assuming that he probably. Pitched her at some point. Pitchford pitched her. Nice. <laughs> uh, 
so I'm guessing that's uh, how she got her foot in the door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but one of the real keys to this movie is John Lithgow, yeah, and Reverend Shaw Moore. Shaw Moore. That is, it's a really intriguing character who, you know, has obviously has an arc in the film, and he changes by the end. But but John Lithgow was a hundred and twenty five percent in the movie. Yeah, he, you know, he was he was uh, perfect casting, I think. Yeah. He it's it's amazing that the the adults of of it he, he's the main adult of this thing, and he outacts the hell obviously out of the rest of the cast, and you feel his presence, you feel him like being this guy and who has his own sort of uh, inner turmoil that he, he you know he's got one face that he puts out publicly like there's that montage where not really a montage but he's telling the same story and to they, the different groups to the different yeah. groups. Where you know, so he obviously, you know, he stand his character stands by his beliefs and his mission and all of that, and it's I'm sold, like I I buy it totally, like, and uh, yeah, just Lithgow is what a choice, what per- perfect, yeah, and you 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 know you can see how he kind of wraps the whole town around his finger, like he's really guiding everybody and they're following his lead. Yeah, well, and like they talk about in the film where it's like it's it's this idea when he's talking to his daughter. And that she she can see what he does is now like show business, like it's an act. You know, you need the costumes. Yeah, where he's rehearsing, and yeah. he's like, that's the best way to lead them. Like, but he's not. While that type of thing is more or less a manipulation, he's not insidiously manipulating these people. He's guiding them the way he feels the town needs to go. You know, and and they follow. They you know the adults of the town uh, buy into it. It's not like he's got some agenda that's you know suiting some evil purpose or personal goal he's just he's just he's trying to save that town from spiritual corruption yeah which is it that distilled it for me like when he was bringing that up he said the phrase spiritual corruption it's like you know when you've got your faith uh you're you're guided by that yeah you know it's that's easy in a sense like you now can base all your choices based on that what, how do you save the soul of a human being? Yeah. Um, and so he stays laser focused on that, but you see his turmoil as, as the movie goes on and he's, and he's being pushed up against all these characters and it's not a battle. Like I, I, I think the society we live in today where you come with a belief and all that, there's sort of a polarization where not only do you not have to agree with that other belief, but you should be against it. And yeah, this is like this is layered. Yeah. This is at least you know I'm not saying it's like so deep, but this at least has some nuance to it. Yeah, there's there it does kind of go along with how things are seeming like right now in today's yeah. world. That, like you said, it's you have to be for it or against it. There isn't really much of a middle ground right now. Yeah. You're you're on the left or on the right. You you're pro trump you're anti trump it's there's there's no gray area right now yeah 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 so uh, it's like you're pro nfl you're anti nfl oh, don't yeah. make me choose <laughs> um <laughs> but the, i because i hadn't seen the film um at all and i was sort of prepared for this knowing the story like pre- being prepared to like sort of not like the the preacher not like the guy that's like doing this because it seems like a, an oppressive kind of thing that isn't really he's not it's not oppressive it's not about trying to like 
put a moral value on on like this act but thinking that that act leads to immoral choices and i i buy his belief like lit and lithgow just he totally does it he sells it and it's not hammy it's not overwrought it's not scene shoeing he just does it it just comes right off so great choice lithgow yeah well I, and i love particularly love after he slaps her when the the yeah. moment where he realized that he re- that's what when he realizes how much he's changed because yeah. he knows he wouldn't have done that before and it's just you know kind of snowballed to yeah. this point and that's where he's that's that's the moment he loses his grip on it yeah that like, he starts to soften or or, or that just the, the first crack appears yeah the, his foundation is now shook yeah because he, he admits in the next scene it was i've never hit anyone before and he hit his own daughter right like, that that it and it's just that's the subtle i mean obviously it's an overt act but it's the first clue like he he doesn't have the the foundation that he thinks he does yeah so it just takes time that's great but you really needed a a a top-notch actor in this role because you buy everything lithgow's selling yeah if you've got you know a b b plus level actor in there it's you're just you're gonna take it out of the movie yeah you know and and it's you're not gonna feel it i mean what if it was richard dreyfus do you buy it well, he is perfect. <laughs> I agree. So it's probably it's it's either Lithgow or Dreyfus. One no one other. no one else is doing this. <laughs> Throughout the eighties, as you saw, everyone went Lithgow. And then you you end up with Moon over Parador. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's a movie. Oh, all right. I'll have to borrow that sometime. It is Do a movie. Have it? It's yeah, I'm sure it's on HBO. It's been on HBO since nineteen eighty nine, I think. So, that and head office. You can guarantee oh, those are on there. Are they on there? <laughs> Uh, anyway, Lithgow was actually shooting. Uh, he's well. He was shooting Terms of Endearment at the same time. Wow! So in his off days, he would be on set for that movie, playing a totally sweet character, mm-hmm. kind of the other end of the spectrum. Uh, in another amazing movie, which we will definitely cover here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was coming off of Blowout, The World According to Garp, uh, the Twilight Zone movie. Mm-hmm. I. I'm looking forward to discussing that movie because there's so much to talk about. But he plays the William Shatner from the old William Shatner short from yeah. the series. But yeah. the, seeing something on the wing of the airplane, yeah. that's he plays that character in the movie. Uh, great perform, another great performance. Absolutely. And the day after, which was a uh, TV, one of the biggest TV, TV movies in history. Oh, okay. Yeah. Back when they did TV movies, but uh, you know Lithgow. He's kind of uh, a home run hitter almost all the time. Yeah. I wasn't a big fan as a kid. For some reason, I didn't like Harry and the Hendersons. I could see that. Just, I don't know why. I just wasn't into it. And then when I was in high school, I did not like Third Rock from the Sun. And I just, so I was very anti-Lithgow until I started seeing through college some of the other things he had done in his career, like yeah. oh no no, he's he's great. Yeah yeah, he's yeah. much more than cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah. Got it. Well, um, you were obviously familiar with that that John Lovett skit with him. Uh, oh, the from SNL. The, yeah. Oh yeah. The, the, uh, the, the thespians. The thespians. Right? Yeah. Or, yeah. Like my goodness. <laughs> um, yeah, I've just I, I I I think I'm indifferent on Harry and the Hendersons and all that, but anything he does, I'm I'm intrigued by. Yeah. I like you know. 
Even now, he's still. I mean, he's doing great performance after great performance. Mm-hmm. He play, I mean, he played Winston Churchill. He did. And I'm, and I'm sure he did it quite effectively. <laughs> so they tell me. <laughs> he did that one season of a, a, a an NBC show, Trial and Error. He played a, yes, yeah, a, accused of murdering his wife, and he he's sort of this bumbling fool who who you never you're never sure if he actually killed her until the end. And but he always he says things that make you think he did it, and then he flips it, and you you just never know. And he's so charming and fun, and man, they gave him some good lines. And yeah, just ah. Special shout out to my friend Patrick Kang, who's a writer on that show. Hello, Patrick. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the Lithgow Love Fest continues. I know. God, should we just rename the show? <laughs> Lithgowmation. Believe it or not, there are even other actors in this movie too. Who, there's Diane, no way. Yeah, Diane Weist. Who's? Oh, she played Weist or Weist. I've Diane heard people Weist, right? Weist. Weist. <laughs> it's German. <laughs> Diane Weiss. You're wrong about that. All right. I think it's Diane Weiss. Uh, and the funny thing is, she's only like, she's not much older than Lori Singer. I think she's like seven or eight years older than Lori Singer. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> but she always had that motherly look, no yeah. matter what age. So, of course. Uh, she's such a great actress. And yeah. I, another parent, a parenthood, Lost Boys, just fantastic. We love Diane Weiss. Cops and Robertsons. Cops and I definitely know some people who worked on that one. <laughs> uh, SJP making her film debut. Is her first film? I think this was her. Or was it Girls Just Want to Have Fun? Hmm. Uh, They're right around the same time. Yeah. Uh, Sarah Jessica Parker is adorable in this movie. She is. I mean, she's always adorable, but she is. She's especially adorable in this movie. Adorable. She's all. She's uh she's fired up. She's got a lot of energy in this movie. Mm-hmm. And uh she's partnered with uh Chris Penn. Chris Penn. Who this guy. I after I saw Reservoir Dogs, uh-huh. I was like the world's biggest Chris Penn fan. I thought he was the coolest. That was the first movie I ever saw him in. Uh-huh. I thought he was the coolest guy. Chris Penn and Michael Madsen. Okay, I thought they were like, sure. you know, the whole Tarantino thing in the 90s. But yeah. uh, I thought he was great. The His story is kind of a sad one that he battled drug addiction throughout his career. Obviously, you look at him in his early movies, and he's kind of a tall, skinny guy. He put on a lot of weight by he, the time he gets to the early 90s, yeah. pretty much playing gangster types or cop, like bad cops. Mm-hmm. for almost the rest of his career and uh was probably somewhat in the shadow of of Sean mm. that he uh oh. you know I don't think he was the caliber actor that Sean was I don't think he could have played that range in roles but mm-hmm. he was good on his own mm-hmm. uh but he got you know kind of stuck in that in those types of characters and I think with his personal issues just couldn't dig out of that hole I see Oh. But they were uh, they were dating at, at this point in the movie, and apparently he like broke her heart. Really? Yeah, just that. Just I think part of it was the drugs as they went on that he. So him and Sarah Jessica. Were yeah, dating. yeah, she like loved him. Oh, well, he's a charming guy, and uh, he's he's. I was really I was really taken by his performance. He's just like they're just but they're just buds. Like 
Willard and Ren. They just become fast friends and then immediately. They, like, like <laughs> just like, he, he fucks with him and then like he pushes Ren pushes back and then uh, oh all right. It's like, oh, let's hang out now. And then like <laughs> there's just so many scenes of just the two of them. Um you know, I just taking a look, I love that he actually he shows up in a Jay Z video. Uh can I get a uh which is off his Willard third album. or Chris Penn? Chris Penn does. Okay. He play and I think because it that song was tied to Rush Hour, the Jackie Chan and uh, the other guy movie, uh, Chris, T- Chris, Chris Tucker. Tucker yeah. yeah. So I guess and then because also Chris Penn is in that movie, and I don't know if he's playing the same bartender character in the movie. Probably is, but the Jay Z video is crazy. It's just like in a nightclub, and then while he's rapping, like all these dancers are dancing around him, and then it just cuts just occasionally over to the bar, and then. Chris Penn is just pouring drinks. He's got a mixer going. He's just, and he's barely in the video, but he's just, just like overjoyed, like in his performance of it. He's just like a ham. It's yeah. Just like ah, oh, he's so he's so great. So yeah, that and uh, yeah, Reservoir Dogs. He's just like incredible. Like I'm, uh. you know, it just occurred to me. So Chris Penn was coming, had just shot all the right moves, mm-hmm. which supposedly mm. Tom Cruise wasn't available because he was shooting that. Oh, really? But Chris Penn was. Huh. So I think Tom Cruise was lying to Paramount. That he was? He's un- currently under a deal with Paramount. So I wonder if I should... Should you make a phone call? Should I make call? a phone call and they're, get this deal canceled? They're going to want to hear about this. Because he lied in 1984? <laughs> <laughs> they're going to want to know about this. Or they redo it. Yeah. Redo Footloose, the original... With, with Tom Cruise, Cruise now, Sarah Jessica Parker, get everybody back. Sean Penn will play Chris Penn's role. Yeah, of course, as a make good. So and this is a Tom Cruise make good to Paramount because he hasn't made them any money. <laughs> I heard those Mission Impossible movies are just they're tanking, tank. But they yeah. just keep giving them one. <laughs> money losers. Anyway, uh, that's what I think. So I, I think I'm gonna, I bring me the red phone. <laughs> uh, no, the other one. <laughs> the other one. Yeah. I forgot you have like yeah. I've direct lines to many people. Uh-huh. One of them is the head of Paramount, who will remain nameless right now. But yeah, you don't want to name that. Public, I don't want. Yeah, you couldn't figure. find out even if you look. <laughs> <laughs> That's ridiculous. We were all we all were part of Shadow Company. So. <laughs> I'm not going to name his na- name names here. <laughs> oh God. Uh, Francis Lee McCain plays Ren's mother. Yeah, you would know her as. Any mother in multiple 80s movies. Yes, yes. Gremlins. Mm-hmm. Back to the Future also, right? Isn't uh, Who's mom? Oh, she plays... She's Leah Thompson's mom. Yeah, she plays Lorraine's mom. Yeah. Yeah. Leah Thompson. Oh, my gosh. You're right. Yeah. And Footloose. So, and Footloose. I mean, She's big movies. Iconic mom. Iconic 80s mom. Good for her. Uh, yeah, but great. And she also, again, was not that much older than kevin bacon there's a lot of age interesting age gaps between these people that really? it seems like that's hilarious like they look you know visually it looks like yeah mother son sure. but in reality it's like nope he's older than you think and she's younger than you think yeah. so they could play siblings yeah in another they could movie. be extended siblings yeah. <laughs> uh another smaller part in this movie john laughlin which is a name Pretty much, I would say most people listening don't know that name. But he's their, like, third friend who's, like, the muscle guy who... Oh, big guy. Yeah, shows up and, like, you know, saves Ren at the, you know, outside the restaurant. Yeah. And, uh, I only know him because I saw him 
throughout the 90s in several like softcore porn movies oh, okay. uh, that were like <laughs> on paper or not pay-per-view but like Cinemax I, movies I, I, you know okay. where he's like a cop who you know ends up like having some lusty affair with the sure per- woman he's assigned to protect or something you know <laughs> I see so you've <laughs> he, seen a lot of I've seen guy. a lot of those they all have <laughs> cool names too but um and you've seen a he, lot of him he was also in The Rock, though. He did He did appear in some other uh, big movies. He was but, in The Rock. Yeah. He was also in Lawnmower Man. He's like one Man. of the <laughs> Lawnmower Man? Mm-hmm. Of course, yeah. <laughs> he was in a Perry Mason TV movie. Oh. He was I'm starting to learn a little bit about Perry Mason right now. Interesting. Also, uh, a TV movie called Funny Business. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> movie of the week? Funny Business. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, so uh, always you know happy to see him in this movie. Yeah, one of his early roles. He's great. A lot of his movies, besides The Rock, end up with him with his shirt off too. Mm-hmm. So he must have liked showing his body. He was in an officer and a gentleman too. Yeah, that's right. That was the other one around yeah. this time. Yeah. Uh, so uh, as far as production goes, they shot this movie in you know while the real story took place in Oklahoma or however many versions of this story that happened in reality. They're all in Oklahoma, apparently. Yeah. Uh, the movie was shot and set in Utah. And they filmed all over, kind of throughout Utah, various cities. Uh, Kevin Bacon, <laughs> when kind of prepping for the part, he you know was really into the police, so he did his hair like Sting, and he's got those cool you know outfits. And he's a 24-year-old who... <laughs> Tries to go undercover at the the high school there, and I think it was in Lehigh. I want to say it was in Lehigh, okay. Utah, but I could be wrong about that. Yeah, apparently he got bullied from the minute <laughs> he walked in the door. Yeah, he probably looked like some posers. <laughs> and that there. afternoon, he had Transpo come and pick him right up, and that was it. I love that he had to like go undercover on how to be a teen. Well, he must have been watching uh, 21 Jump Street. I guess so. Like, they're going to fall for this. It's like, if Johnny does it all the time, I can do it. Uh, some other making of stuff. Chris, the, the, the montage. One of my favorite montages is the Chris Penn uh, buddy friendship. Yeah. Let's show him, you know, let's hear it for the boy. Uh-huh. That montage. Uh, where Chris Penn's learning how to dance, yeah. and that was very much a real thing. Oh, Chris, really? Yeah, he Chris, just had no rhythm. He had no rhythm, and then that was kind of as they were shooting the movie, they would pick up those pieces, you okay. know, at, throughout the filming process, and yeah. then that were that's how they could cut it together as a montage. All right, I do like in the beginning of that montage, he he doesn't even know how to snap his fingers to a beat. Yeah, like okay, like, and then he just does that sweet dance at the end, and you know he he's, did great at the end. Got it. Yeah, that was that was like a nice little surprise. Yeah, <laughs> almost as good as me. I'm, almost a close I mean, second. Let's not let's not be too generous for him. You blow him out of the water every time. A hundred times out of a hundred. Yeah, you remember the Christmas party last oh, year? Oh, not still, this, the one before. Still last. talking about yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Bacon did some of the dancing, mm-hmm. but he actually had four different doubles for various things. Oh wow! Clearly, the gymnast part. Yeah, I mean, is that not amazing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just I'm the sorry. fact that he's like this, uh, like seemingly Olympian gymnast. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> this little guy, uh, but these <laughs> obvious cutaways, like. Bacon, not bacon. Yeah, diving through the air. Those are that's one of my oh, favorite yeah, yeah. shots. Uh-huh. We were watching when we rewatched this. 
Did you rewind the, that? Oh my god, that was <laughs> that went over big in my house. Uh, but one of his doubles, the his dancing, his main dancing double was uh, Peter Tram, who uh, was one of the head dancers on Staying Alive. Unfortunately, passed away in 1991 from AIDS, but uh, had made his mark in the 80s. And his wife at the time was the double on Flashdance. Oh. The famously uncredited double. Oh, really? So, you know, all the close-ups and for basically everything Flashdance is famous for, Uh which wasn't Jennifer Beals. Uh It was was, uh, this lady. It's actually her her body. Yeah. (laughs) Hilarious. Yeah. There was a lot of that in the 80s, too. Yeah, you need well. You need real pros, real pr- professionals who do this. Yeah, just because you know? it's going to look right on camera when, you, especially when you're doing those close-ups. Like, right. You, need, you know. Well, just because a lot of these actors they looked good doesn't mean they could dance. You know. Yeah. Well, they're not going to take all this time to like train them how to look good and and you know do something that other people have been doing all their whole lives that yeah. you know just they, just well, body it just double them they they'd take it as far as they could yeah, you know of like travolta could dance so they would do as much as you could if you needed some particular things yeah. then you'd have a double do it yeah. same thing for this i think they took it you know kevin bacon is a he dances all the time mm-hmm. every dances. single movie there's a dancing there's always number. a dancing number he was just he was just him and uh, his wife were just i think auctioning off a night of like dinner and dancing, really? like couples uh-huh. dinner and dancing for for some charity. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's that's like, fun. Huh? That that might be kind of fun. That him, might be a good idea. Him and Patricia, Kira, 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 Kira Sedgwick. Oh, not Patricia Arquette. Uh no, no. <laughs> Unless you know something I don't. I don't know. I forget. No, it's Kira. Yeah. Uh, so they shot this. You know where they shot it in Utah. It really does look like. Elmore City, Oklahoma. Oh, really? If you look up that city, it's very small town. Mm-hmm. Very, very small town. Yeah. Um, no offense. To, I'm not trying to be say anything. There's nothing uh, wrong with a small town, right? What There's nothing you... wrong. It just is a smaller town. Okay. Yeah. Why do you? Why are you apologize? Well, for all our listeners there, I don't want them to think I'm putting them down. You don't have small to. towns are great. Small towns exist. Yeah. Some of my best friends are small towns. Who? <laughs> <laughs> uh. Biloxi, Mississippi. Okay, yeah. That's probably a major. That's kind of a major. Biloxi, thing. yeah. Biloxi Blues. Biloxi, Biloxi, Mississippi. Yeah. I don't know. It, it doesn't matter who I know. Just my some of small towns are fine. I have no problem with them. Easy. I have no Whoa. problem with them. They have no problem with me. I, I stay grew out up of their in a way. Small town. You grew up in a small town. Now it's huge, but yeah, yeah. I and mean, you don't you don't seem to be around small towns. Have anymore. you heard of Barnum and Bailey Circus? I've heard of them. Which they just. Ended last year, but yeah, they uh, broke up. Yeah, finally, they, Barnum and, yeah. and Bailey, Barnum and just Bailey went their cut, separate ways, and the elephant went in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in the town where that was that was created. Oh wow! Yeah, huh? So our town center is called the Elephant Hotel. I may have been in a play in third grade where I was uh, P.T. Barnum. Oh, here we I'm not go. bragging. Here we but, go uh, with this. Wow, you were P.T. Barnum. <clears throat> Write in if you want to see a videotape of it. Of course you have one. <laughs> Write in at P.O. Box. <laughs> <laughs> Send a self-addressed stamped envelope. Rockford Center, Illinois. Uh, anyway. So we talked earlier about the soundtrack. Yeah, baby. It is. It's this amazing. is one of the all-time best soundtracks. It's Hands amazing. down. 
It's amazing. I mean, the amount of like great songs, and same thing as you, I didn't realize all of these songs came from Footloose. Right. Not that they were written for the movie, but they were released as the original. Part, yeah. But, but like as originals. For, yeah, yeah. It's like in the credits, it's like original Footloose songs. Yeah. <laughs> like, so obviously the, theme, the title song, Footloose by Kenny Loggins. Kenny Loggins was a was a soundtrack machine in Man. the eighties. Yeah, he had hit after hit. Uh, yeah, and they were all from Caddyshack to this to Top Gun, and I know he's got a couple others in there. They're fun. Yeah, Kenny Loggins can't go wrong with a little Loggins, <laughs> or or a lot of Loggins. <laughs> or a lot of Loggins. <laughs> but let's hear it for the boy. I think we watched that video in the last year for some reason. Uh, did we? Uh, yeah, I think I didn't. I show it to you for some. I may reason. have been very, very uh, <laughs> inebriated. <laughs> but like, it's not. It's not. It's not a footloose. The, but there's tons of dancing in it. Denise Williams is singing, and then all these all these boys dancing around with her. Like, yeah, all these young men just like bopping around. All music videos in the '80s were were a sight to behold. Yeah, they were. For you youths listening, mm-hmm. you check it out because uh, pure enjoyment. Yeah. But uh, but this soundtrack is really, really what cements this movie as being the uh, sort of '80s iconic thing that it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it didn't have this music accompanying it, I don't I don't know what this movie would be. It certainly wouldn't be much of a dancing movie. <laughs> just, <I'm> just <laughs> pretending <laughs> they hear it in their heads. Um, because I mean the yeah. story, the story's fine. The, yeah. there, there's there is a story there, but yeah. it's not really what um, the the I- music just motivates the story. Yeah, you know the 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 icons of the movie are the songs. You know, and yeah, and Bacon is and, it's it's a combination of everything, yeah. but the music is really what puts it over. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was number one on the billboards, and I and I think it was April 1984 for three straight weeks. Uh, huge, huge release. Seven songs had uh, came out as singles on this, which mm-hmm. is incredible. Yeah, and hits, you know, big hit singles. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Footloose. Let's hear it for the boy. Dancing in the Sheets. Personal favorite. <laughs> that that is such a funky song. That is so a weird, weird song. <laughs> I can't believe that was like a big single. I know. It, it, listening to it now, it's like eh, not quite on the level with the others. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's a bit of an artifact. Yeah. Uh, I'm free. Somebody's eyes. Holding out for a hero. That was yeah. a big song for me in the eighties. Yeah. Big time. Like oh. <laughs> and almost paradise, which I mm-hmm. admit I'm a sucker for that song. You just you just melt. if it comes on, it just the feelings start coming. Wow. Yeah. That's how we get to your emotional core. If you ever want me, that's a key to me. If you uh, ever want me to shut up and I'm just going on and on, you just turn that on uh-huh. and I'll quiet down. There you go. <laughs> You're very introspective. Good to, wow, you you just released And you'll see like of, one tear. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> the, the one tear you'll allow to come out yeah. once a year. Once a year. Yeah. <laughs> on a particular day. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of themes in this movie. No. <laughs> <laughs> this movie's not about anything. Obviously, it's about, you know, there's a there's a heavy political resistance thing, which, again, can sort of echo. Watching it now, I feel it kind of echo today. Yeah. It's not as, in reality, as, of course, isn't as simple as it's portrayed in, in this movie. It's, it's uh, 
you know, just get everybody together and, and do a grassroots thing, and then the good guys win, you yeah. know, get their way. It's Reality doesn't work that way. No, yeah. But the, the blueprint is sort of there. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it has to take the shortcuts of, like, you know, you're not going to have a, a, a prolonged... You're not going to have, like, a huge fight on your hands that you can portray, dramatize in the movie, and then eventually... It's just... You got to take those shortcuts. Yeah. You know? And the thing... The funny thing is, like, a lot of important things happen outside of Ren's presence that... So you just go along with the with Ren, along with the ride. You know what I mean? Like, the students organizing, making the call. Like, you yeah. get that peak, and then it just goes back. And it's just, like... There's a lot happening that you don't see. Yeah. And it, a, yeah. They're right. integral, but they're not... You, you don't need to show everything to know that this occurred. Like, like I'm sure there'd be a studio and I'd be like, well, how do you know this happens? Like, well, we, we tell it, we tell you, we, we show you that it happens, but we're not, we don't need to dramatize it yeah. and waste five minutes. Well, and, and especially doing the montages that they do, like you can zip through time that way. That's true. Yeah. You know, uh, but he's using tactics almost like he's, he's, kind of outsmarting everybody really he's it's almost like an art of war kind of technique that he's using a little bit uh, ren a little bit i mean i think ren is i think part i think part of it is is the town is not so I, they've just sort of accepted that this is the kind of world they want to live in right right he's an outsider fish out of water type thing um, which is kind of like what Rushmore's about, by the way. Fish yeah. out of water. Uh-huh. Anyway, um, but like you know, he's just trying to bring what he th- what his values are t- to the town. He thinks that they could benefit from the things he values. He's not trying to um, he's not trying to change them because he thinks they're wrong. Right. He just wants to give them something. Well, and it, yeah, but it's the way he sells it to them that he gets into like what they know and yeah. works from from you know. Inwards out. You know? Yeah, well, he quotes the Bible at the, the right. council meeting. Exactly. Like, that's the big hook. You know, obviously, yeah. that's going to... Using their own words against them, in a sense. Well, and he builds a whole momentum by, like, gathering, you know, getting organized and gathering uh, a crowd that's supporting, you know, getting most of the high school behind him. Yeah, yeah. Except Both. for Chuck. Chuck and those assholes. God. <laughs> Which I think was their band name, Chuck and the Assholes. Chuck and the Assholes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, <laughs> the bluegrass kind of. Bit. Let's pause for just a quick moment. Chuck, who was dating uh, the which character? Dating Ariel. D- dating Ariel early. She's a psychopath. Like she's doing all this stunt work, jumping in front of trains, yeah, like straddling cars. She's, and, she's yeah. insane. Like yeah. she's not, you know. But nice indicator of her how her life is changing. She can't. She does not handle it. She can't well, live under the the roof of, the, of her preacher father yeah they do a good job of setting up these characters and who where they're at in their lives pretty quickly like she's got a death wish essentially Uh, for those of you i'm sure all of you have seen this movie but just in case i'm going to spoil it uh (laughs) the whole backstory which we didn't really mention was that the uh five years previously i think it's five. five or six years uh her older brother which was reverend shaw moore's son was you know, dancing, you know, at, had a night out on the town with his friends at the, the neighboring town. They drove across this bridge on the way, you know, they had a night of partying on the way back. There was a an accident. They went off the bridge. They all died. Yeah. They so, played like some chicken game or something like that. They yeah. had been drinking, but the drinking was begat by the dancing, yeah. by, the, by the gathering. 
So that's where the laser focus of the preacher of of, of so all Shaw of, yeah all of this is a is reaction like, to that yeah. incident. If this well if this is the end result, what started it? And he's just going back to the beginning instead of you know looking at all the choices that that come from you know irresponsible youth yeah. and all of that. Um, so obviously he's he's hit the hardest. Advocates for a change in the town. Obviously the town has their. Um, they have their group of, of people who have a moral view of oh, yeah, what's right there for sure. So there's, you know, there's people who are right of Shaw, you know, that they want to ban books. They want to ban books, then they want to burn the books. And Shaw is the one that comes in with some reasonableness to say, wait, you can't. You, you can't just what do, do that. You, you know? can't just decide. He, yeah, he really isn't that far yeah. right. He's just, he's having an emotional reaction to losing his son. Yeah. Like it's. Which is part of his own, you know, therapeutic dealing with it or not dealing with what happened. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, his mission, he, since he can, he'll never be able to save his son, is to save the town. And if he, he feels like if he saves one youth from, from accidentally dying, you know, he's done his job. Yeah. The funny thing is you just never know because that those youths aren't allowed to make those just decisions. And... uh yeah, so, he just stops that from even happening. Yeah. So but, yeah. They, but but you already know in the beginning of the movie they do all this other shit. Yeah, exactly. It's like they don't need a school dance to that they're not gonna go do crazy shit. Which like, is which is what bored teens do. Yeah. We talked about it on another episode uh, back back in the archives, but we you know bored teens will get into trouble. Mm-hmm. No matter what town, wherever they are, yeah. what you've told them they can't do, who they're going to find a way to do that or do something else. Yeah, do some other crazy stuff. So, my town where I grew up, there was nothing to do. We had we had no there was no there's no sidewalks in the town. So right there is a problem. No sidewalks? No street lights. No uh there's no town center where really there's like a grocery store and all that, but yeah. there's no like there's no place for teenagers to go. Oh, wow. So that's ever, you know, people would get into drugs and drinking early on because yeah. what else are you going to do? Right. And if you didn't have a car to drive to near the, the other towns that were nearby. Right. Yeah, boy. Yeah. Well, so, I'm glad you, know, you made it out of there. I didn't straddle any cars, you know, while we're, a truck is coming at us. <laughs> no. But close to it. I see. Okay. I'll save that for off, off air as well. I see. Uh, but I love how, you know, both, I mean, it's cute how both Ren and Moore are dancing as a way, as a form of therapy for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For for Moore, like we were just saying, how he's, you know, using it as a way to, to ignore what happened and not emotionally deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Ren uses it as, he's got a whole sense of abandonment from his father leaving his mother and him. Yeah. And dancing is like how he kind of gets that out and how he feels good about himself again. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, they're both looking at it from two different sides. Yeah. And, and they both need to have their own understanding of yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to complete themselves. It's, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's fascinating that, uh, you know, and it's funny that, like, it, if he didn't, if Ren didn't sort of interact directly with Ariel. It, it, it she, you know, that's that in. Like, he's the perfect person for her in a sense. Like, she doesn't understand her father, 
And then her boyfriend's obviously crazy. And then she breaks up with him. And we know he's crazy because he they brawl. They yeah. brawl. Like he beats the shit out of her. I mean, she fights back. She fights but, back. But but obviously he overpowers her and like just knocks her down. Like just knocks her teeth out practically. Yeah. It's pretty savage. And uh, I, I, luckily he came to the dance to pick a fight. And he got he at least got some some just desserts like he. It was great that Willard and Ren end up kicking the ass. Yeah. Kicking Chuck's ass in a bunch. Great flying kick from... uh... I love that. He literally does a Johnny Cage flying kick. (laughs) Well, he's good with his... His feet are loose. I mean, they're they're ready to go. They're ready to go. (laughs) What if that was like... He had like... He had a catchphrase as he's coming out. Like, watch out, pal. My feet are loose. And they just... Just kicks him in the face, but they do a great job and like just savage, just beatings. It's a little, it's it's not too, it's not hyper violent, but it's just those are like, those are solid punches. Yeah, being thrown. Like, we uh in my house when we were watching it, we debated for a second: was he gonna do the uh, Karate Kid honk on the nose? <laughs> like, <laughs> like he's gonna he like rears back to punch him. Yeah, like maybe just do the honk. Don't <laughs> teach him a lesson. Yeah, yeah. Nope. He pounded him. No, yeah, that's that's the Chicago way, baby. Yeah, he's from Chi Town. That's where he, that's that's how you settle things. Yeah, the Chi Town Rumble every uh, every week, basically. And Kevin Bacon's accent in this movie is fantastic. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> oh <yeah>. boy. <laughs> anyway, going Sorry, back to uh, I, I keep going back to I, hey we to go... Kurt to Kurt, Kurt Chuck and the asshole <laughs> Chuck, but uh, but they're. You know, Ariel's got these men in her life that affect her. Yeah. And I think, and what's great is everyone gets some meat to play. Like, they're, they're not just, uh, you know, basic archetypes. You know, you get to spend time even with Vi, the Shaw's wife, and, and with Ariel and their conflict. It's not like Ren is some hero that he's the only hope for this town or anything like right. that. Or, you know, and it's not like uh, Shaw's the villain and he's the only one that... You know, if he's defeated, then everything will go back to normal. Because again, it's still a town full of extremists or the, those asshole kids who won't ever accept dancing. And it's just, but this is that small victory for them. Um, you know, for for to create a, a foundation for them where they can be happy. And yeah. Not, you know. Well, and one of the things I, that I thought was a, an interesting creative choice was. One of the sweetest scenes you don't even see. I know I'm because I'm dying. Why she walks see in that? and like they're at the end of a one-on-one conversation between Ren and Moore, yeah. where they've basically like come to an agreement, and he's sold. You know, he's he's convinced Lifgow to to let them have, let them do it. Yeah, more or less. And he gives in, and and has completely turned around. That he's he's kind of like smitten with Ren. A little bit. Yeah, the conversation ends with uh, Ren giving back a picture of of Shaw's, you know, son, and which was supposedly that was Lithgow's son. Oh, actually, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. but I, I was like, oh, I would have loved to seen like a five minute scene between them. Like, I, I pro- did they film it? Like, I don't even know. Like, who knows? Yeah, it, I guess it works. But I would have loved to have seen it just because you know, there get, was. Get me the not that red, the other red phone again. No, nope. so one phones. more. That's the one. There's so Let's many find on that out table. if that scene was shot. Why don't you label them? Nah, <laughs> I know, know which one's what. You know my sight. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah. The, the really important scene. That Interesting that you don't really see it. You just see the tail end of it. Yeah, I can't believe it. And it's funny that uh, 
and I, and I like that earlier on. It was you know Ariel was, you know, smitten with Ren. Think sort of acting like he was going to be the hero, and he like you know she gives him a token of that of, of her thanks for his for that for that role. He says, "I'm not here to do like do battle with your. I, I have no beef with your dad. Yeah, you know I'm trying to give something to the town. Like that was why he's there." And, uh, you know, they, it's a better understanding of what he's doing. He's not just trying to fight the man or, try, you know, trying to be a rebel against the adults. But he's trying to change a mentality. Yeah. Which uh, there's something great about that. It's not like you, you're you not picking a villain and deciding you're going to, you know, you're not picking up a lightsaber to strike them down and change everything for right, the best. Right, right. It's like how do you change a mentality? How do you get to an understanding with somebody? And the, this movie doesn't go so deep that – uh, it's missing that that conversation. Like that would have been the perfect thing to really up the drama, you know, for that. But really, you don't need it. You you go along with the ride too, and it keeps the whole movie pretty light. But yeah. um, I, I just like that. It's more of like trying to change an attitude without trying to be. I'm the I'm I'm the most correct person. I'm right, and you're wrong for thinking the way you think. It's like no, can but I want to. I want you to sh- see what I feel. Or I want you to feel what I feel. And you know, there's a gradual change. It takes time, but it, it happens. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's such a nice little yeah uh, method. Yeah, uh, uh, pr- process. Yeah, I yeah I agree. So, you know, this movie sucks. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but now it's time. What? Let me interrupt you for a second. Okay. To play a game, I call. Reconsider casting. <laughs> I <do> love that. <laughs> that is a catchy name. That is very good. Who, do you, if if you were making this movie today, ignoring that they made this movie seven years ago, uh, they remade this. Yeah. Uh, if you were casting it, who do you think? Who would you throw in some of those parts? This is a tough one. Uh, you know, like today, today, like with the Oscars about to happen. Okay, within within recent times. Okay, within. I'm trying to think like, well, who would Hollywood cast like tomorrow? I think I, I would go with Jason Siegel as as Ren. <laughs> Jason Siegel, like forty, and Paul Rudd as Chuck. <laughs> Stop it. Uh, I don't know, like a like probably that Timothy Chalamet. Chalamet. Oh yeah, that'd I be mean, a, yeah. Maybe you know he's got he's got a youthfulness to him, obviously. Or that uh, Lucas Hedges. Lucas Hedges, great. Yeah. He's good. Um, he's got a, he's got the haircut. For you him. know, you could cast Casey Affleck as Chuck. <laughs> I'm not casting Casey Affleck in nothing. Nothing, and yeah, Casey Affleck can jump off a bridge. Yeah. Uh, or maybe that Ansel Elgort. Who was the baby driver? Oh, the baby driver guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's got a, everybody loves. He's baby very driver. cool. He's cool. Have you ever seen him with sunglasses on? The very. whole movie. Yes, it's a good movie. We're gonna we're, we're gonna go over this. <laughs> One day. No, I, I'm I'm in. I'm gonna get booze from everybody, but I'm of the minority group that uh, does not like Baby Driver as much as everybody else. This is such a shitty thing to say, but you just don't understand it. <laughs> Apparently, I, I must have missed something. So fun. Um, uh, I was going to say, like, oh, I'm, I'm glad we're kind of out of the range. Like, Miles Teller probably would have been cast in this at some point. He was, uh, but as it turns out, he played Willard in the 2000. Oh, that's uh, right. 2011 oh version. Yeah, he did. I looked it up. I'm like, oh, he was actually already in a Footloose movie. Um, 
but so I'm there glad, you did it. I'm you glad watched. he aged out of because you know Miles yeah. Teller's fine, but I don't know. I don't know. Could you put like Kate McKinnon as Sarah Jessica Parker? <laughs> what? No, you can't. Cast. Am I just going full comedy with go, it? Well, you can't go mid thirties. <laughs> so I just cast Kate McKinnon, Stop. Jason Siegel, and and Paul Rudd all in the new my new version of Footloose. <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean that'd be fine. I would watch the hell out of that. Everyone would love it. I I really do want. Uh, like, I, well, you know what? Make Kristen Wiig Ariel. <laughs> I would love an unironic like ca- like casting of people in their thirties and forties playing high schoolers. Just on, like they, they don't did mention it. it. It's called nine zero two one zero. Well, <laughs> but like people who are well known, like stars, yeah. then and then like their teachers are three years older than them. <laughs> like like Nicholas Cage now uh-huh. playing Ren. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I was thinking like uh, like for an Ariel character, you need kind of like that was a tough one for me. But the first one, you need a youthful person. Um, you can't really cast Emma Watson anymore to play uh, play a high school. Yeah, maybe not. But um, but oh, what's her face? Oh, there was uh Jessica Barden. She was on the the end of the effing world. Oh yeah, yeah. She'd be uh, yeah. She's like in her. Yeah. She's like old mid twenties now. But she's but she's so youthful. I I swear she's like sixteen. Like in that show. Yeah. Um. So I liked her. And there's an actress on uh, Ozark, uh, Julia Garner, who uh-huh. uh, who does other stuff too. Yeah, yeah. She's she's very charming. I like her. So, I'd like to see those girls in in a Footloose remake. Yeah. Okay. I'm down with that. But I don't know any youthful teen youthful women for this role for these roles. Yeah. I'm not good. I'm not smart about actors. So I'd have to. I mean, I had to. I pictured them. I had to look up their names. I don't even know their names because I'm a terrible. Terrible. There's a lot, you know what? There's a lot of product out there right now. Yeah, there's, there's, uh, it's tough to track. There's a lot of material between the Netflixes and Amazons, and yeah, you know, there's probably lots of great young actresses and actors on various TV shows and things that would be perfect, and they would probably be. It would probably be a star-making turn. Yeah, for any of them. Yeah, um, but uh, but I still think no. I think Lithgow still is in the movie. He's still. Oh, shot. you got yeah. Lithgow's back. Yeah. I don't care. Like, Hair dye does amazing things. <laughs> he can play his current age. He could play 70, and he has a 16-year-old we'll daughter. Up. Yeah. We'll age the whole thing up. <laughs> yeah, that's, we just said. that's where Paul Rudd comes in. <laughs> Ultimately, we know who the perfect casting would have been. Mm-hmm. Kurt Russell would have easily been Ren. Easily. In 83 or 80, yep. in 2019? Either. Take your pick. <laughs> All right. But, uh, you know, we'll go with 84 for okay. now. Did you have any other thoughts who you think would be would be good in this movie? And no, you said shows? all of them. You took. I all, gave. I, I, I threw you. out my thoughts. Comedy <laughs> when all comedy. Kate McKinnon. <laughs> you you are youth, You are useless. Because <laughs> um, yeah, I think is Shailene Woodley too old. Uh, she could probably do it. She might be. Yeah, you, I think you could put her in there. Yeah, she plays older on Big Little Lies. Right, you know, but uh, she, you know, she's in her twenties. You know, screw it. Reese Witherspoon could still probably play Ariel. <laughs> she still looks like she's you know twenty. <laughs> she's quite youthful. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk some box office. Bo. Yeah, how did this movie? Uh, let's talk about how it did. What was its impact here? It made some money. Yeah, it did. It uh, it well, it cost eight point two million dollars. Which was what? A- Where? <laughs> Where did all that money go? <laughs> Where did seven point nine million of that, mo- of that money go? Oh. Went to all went to the dancing. 
I mean, did you see that 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 uh, dance at the end? Great dance. A lot the, of those, those are high. lights, and that was the coolest looking. Uh, what was that? It wasn't a barn. It was a uh, it was like a factory like a mill or a mill, or yeah. yeah, warehouse or something. A glitter everywhere. Oh, no, the warehouse is his amazing single montage. You know, oh, his, oh. his dance sequence. Yeah. But. Anyway, uh, they shot it May. They shot it kind of all throughout 1983. I think there were a few sets of reshoots. Okay, uh, so it kind of ranged from May 83 all the way up until January of 84 was probably the last set of uh, of reshoots. Uh, they shot it in Payson, Provo, Lehigh, American Fork, Utah, and a few other places all throughout the state. Mm-hmm. It came out February 17th, 1984, which is hey. yeah, it's. Right, right around, around now. Right around the corner. Uh, it opened up, opening weekend was $8.5 million, so it made its money back. In one, opening, one weekend. weekend. Across America. Now, your Marvel movies can make their money back in about 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah. No, it takes... It doesn't even have to play a whole movie before this made its money. <laughs> the first hour. <laughs> Act one, done. They yeah. already made their money. <laughs> Uh, but uh, the domestic gross was eighty million, so nice. it did was very successful. Uh, it didn't cost that much, and it brought a lot in. I don't think that factors in the soundtrack. That's probably a whole separate. I can't even imagine the ancillary bucks that brought in. And then the re-release, which is when I got the soundtrack, the re-release was in '99 uh-huh. for the fifteenth anniversary, and I think they put a couple extra tracks on there that weren't in the, oh, uh, the original soundtrack, but. Hmm. Uh, and that was really successful too. So back in '99, yeah. people were buying CDs. That was still a thing. Yeah, not the iTunes like they have today. Yeah. Uh, does Paramount have a music arm? They must, right? Uh, part of or yeah, was it Varese Saraband? I want to say that might have been it, but oh, I could I could be wrong about that. Hmm. But most of the studios had a division that handled all the music. Right. So. Huh. Uh, this movie uh, opened up at number one. It topped uh, Terms of Endearment, which was riding a 13-week wow. <laughs> high. Uh, cool. So that was, obviously, that was a big Oscar movie. That yeah. was a, a big movie of 83, so 84. Lith- Lithgow's in two movies at the same yeah, time. Yeah, he's, uh, yep, shot them both at the same time and come out at the same time. Uh, so it topped that. It opened up uh, opening weekend up against a movie called Lassiter that I know nothing about, mm. and Blame It on Rio, which I know a little bit about. What do you know? It's uh, it's a naughty movie. Okay, it's a naughty movie. Oh, <laughs> it's about oh, that's fine. These I, I from what I remember, it's like these dads go on like a cruise with their daughters, and the each of the other dads start dating the their friend's what daughter the like or something something nope like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's out there yeah all good but i think has either phoebe cates or demi Morris in it okay check me one on or that. the other check yeah. me on that um, okay i'll look that up. i'm gonna look i know you take the <laughs> take the microphone i'm gonna look this up i mean uh boy those are some highly competitive films right there lassiter and Blame it on Rio. Everyone knows about Lassiter. Blame it on this. This was like a high-profile like studio picture. Who's in that? Blame it on Rio is they're like bank robbers. Michael Caine. Yeah. Did you say they're bank robbers? Are they like bank robbers too? Yeah, Demi Moore. Okay. And who played the other daughter? 
uh, Michelle Johnson. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Michelle Johnson, who we'll talk about more when we get to the uh, TV, you know, the TV show Werewolf. Okay, great. Yeah. Yep. Uh, let's see. Yep, and uh, Joseph Bologna. Okay, great. Valerie Harper was in it, too. Wow. Well, of course. Uh, Two friends who work for the same Brazilian company, Matthew and Victor, decide to take a vacation together without their wives, since both men are having having marital affairs. Each brings his teenage daughter along. What? And there's trouble. <laughs> That's the... Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Is this a zany thing? Is it a zany? I don't think so. <laughs> but I think there's some nudity, and that maybe that's why uh, it's full, anybody full saw Full frontal it. male nudity. <laughs> uh, so we're doing an episode on Blame It on Rio, look right? Look at the picture. Look at this post. The, look at the poster of this thing. Blame It on Rio. Oh, my God. I didn't know Michael Caine was Sleeping in a, with my a, friend's a, daughter. A goofy sex comedy. Yeah. Like, what the hell? I don't know how goofy it is. It, but. It's got to be a little goofy. So Footloose beat that movie. All right. Good. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, it was the number seven movie of 1984. That's a lot of dough. Yeah. Huh. Uh, do you know what else uh, was in the top ten there? 84. 84. Was that uh, Temple of Doom? Temple of Doom, number three, yeah. Tem- wait, Temple of Doom was number three? For the year. It had t- there were two big movies that year. Uh, do we count Terms of Endearment? Was that 83 I think that's three or 80, 84. 83, I think, since it's been out. Yeah, it'd right. Out it, yeah, it would have clocked in. Well, yeah. It, you said 13 weeks in February. Yeah, I guess that probably... It's yeah. considered an 83 movie. Yeah, it's considered... Yeah, it's... Yeah. Oh, right. but no, we had a big sci-fi comedy that year. Sci-fi comedy. 84. Ghostbusters. Yeah, Duh. we talk about... Doi. Them. Duh, doi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then a, uh, a funny action cop movie. Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. So those were the, the cop, Beverly Hills Cop number one. God, what a year. $230 million that year. Ghostbusters 229. Wait... Beverly Hills Cop was $230? $234 million. <clears throat> Beverly Hills Cop made more money than Ghostbusters? Yeah. Just that year. Over, overall, Ghostbusters had to have made more. Uh, I mean, you probably don't Theatrical release box office. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm sure. All the time. I'm, we'll, we'll look that up, but Ghostbusters has to be higher. Anyway. Why are you defending Ghostbusters? Well, because well, <laughs> Who why, cares? Ask, why ask that it's question? It's off by five million. It was a big year. I just didn't think Beverly Hills Cop was that big. I mean, I knew it was a big movie. Well, Eddie fun- Murphy was huge. At I think. This point. I think the weird thing is Beverly Hills Cop came out in December. It probably ran for months and months and yeah. months. I mean, Ghostbusters came out in the summer. Still, probably ran a long time. Yeah, but the, there's more competition and yeah, in the summer. Um, so anyway, <clears throat> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Ghostbusters isn't the number one movie of '84. You're going to be okay. You should keep apologizing. You're going to be it. okay. <laughs> you should have seen it more times in the theater to make it that. Uh, but of course, Gremlins, Karate Kid, yep. and Police Academy are above Footloose oh, as well. We're doing we're doing that movie. <laughs> we're doing all. Eight I bet movies. if you you know what, get the other red phone. That's my line right Stop to Gutenberg. <laughs> then after that, Romancing the Stone at eight. Star Trek great three. Movie. Romancing the Stones. Yeah, I love that movie. Uh, Mr. Douglas, Mr. Devito, Miss. We need to get some Michael Douglas on this show. Oh, we're making Oof. we're making moves. Get that Kaminsky method from. <laughs> Yeah, let's start Netflix. with that. Let's, I'm doing my Kaminsky podcast. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, Spl- uh, Star Trek 3 after that, and Splash rounds out the top 10. Nice. Yeah. 84. Yeah. Splash. Splash. Hanks, baby. Big splash. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, wasn't there a sequel called A Bigger Splash? Uh, I think it was called Splasher. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this was... So, 
Do you know where this ranks in Kevin Bacon movies? I have no idea. He's, he's had some big movies. Yeah, he's been in some money makers. Yeah, lots. He's been in a uh, very successful career. Yeah. Uh, hit some. Hit me. This is number six. Six overall. Yeah. For the Baconator. Uh, oh, in order. What's top, on the top to From the top down. Yeah. Apollo 13, number one. Ah. Huge movie. It's kind of forgotten, but that was a big movie in 95. X-Men First Class. Oh, okay. Animal House. Technically, it's, you know, he's in it. He's in it's it. not his movie, but he's mm-hmm. in it. A uh, Few Good Men. Hmm. Mystic River. Oh. With and and crazy Miss- stupid love. Hmm. Wait, Mystic River with Sean Penn. Yeah, he's worked yeah. with both pens. Yeah, how about that? Pen Bros. <laughs> the Pen Bros. And he, oh, and cra- he's in Crazy Stupid Love. Yeah, he's yeah he's in it. Uh, it again, himself? it's not. It's not. I don't even know if he's credited. It's oh, really? one of those like he's got a small part in it, but mm-hmm. uh, it's not his movie. But yeah, yeah he's, he's he's in it. It's a movie, yeah. And then Footloose is after that. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, Footloose was nominated for two Oscars. Both for song, best song. Yeah, best song. What song? Uh, what song? Let me guess. Footloose. You got it. And I mean, all these other songs. I mean, could be any one of them. Hey, let's hear it for the boy. You got it. Hey, did either of them win? In my heart, they both did. Ah, oh, bummer. Yeah. Uh, the what critics. <laughs> you gonna look that up? <laughs> Just curious, but go ahead on the critics. The uh, not that highly. Uh, Reviewed between you know between uh, hmm. most of the critics were mixed about it. Oh. Let's just say that mm-hmm. didn't love it, didn't hate it, didn't love it How either. Could they not I'm going to read you ro- what Roger Ebert, Roger Ebert said. What did he say? He said it's a seriously confused movie that tries to do three things and does all of them badly. It wants to tell the story of a conflict in a town, which I guess Con- he's saying it doesn't do that. Yeah, I disagree. Yeah, there's a conflict. It wants to introduce some flashy teenage characters, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and part of the time it wants to be a music video. I kind of think it achieves all of those things. Yeah, what the hell? He's it, saying it doesn't. But it's totally. Well, come on, Roger. Man. Roger wasn't Roger, always like on the on the money. He doesn't. He doesn't always talking about like eighty percent of the time. But that <laughs> other twenty percent of the time, he nails it every time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, it lost to to Stevie Wonder's "I Just Called to Say I Love You," in in the Woman in Red. Yeah, uh, over maybe, Footloose, maybe. over Ghostbusters, over well, Ghostbusters should have taken it. Yeah, and then Against All Odds uh, from Phil Collins in the movie. That's a, Against that's All a Odds. Hell of a group. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, huh? All of them winners. Footloose, the two Footloose noms, just cannibalized each other. Yeah, clearly. Yeah, they canceled each other out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so. You know, the impact of this movie, again, what we said earlier, like this is one of those, you know, if you talk about quintessential 80s movies, this just for the imagery, I think, and the soundtrack, just this, this is up at the top. Yeah, this uh, this is in a lot of Oscar uh, montages, right? A very montage friendly. Yeah. yeah. Just like just like like the, the North by Northwest like the, that shot that yeah. shot like <laughs> you know they're, how much how much you're gonna make a bet we see that in the oscars this year oh As i don't think there. we saw it last year yeah but i think it's that'll work up. that shot will work its way it's in always in the telecast yeah. <laughs> and footloose is right behind it yeah yeah <laughs> from cary grant to kevin bacon in the warehouse exactly 
but yeah, it's 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 got a lot of lasting power. Whether you you can argue about the quality and depth of the story, yeah, uh, the movie itself is is well loved by fans, well loved by '80s you know real '80s fans, mm-hmm. um, and that's part of part of what you know films were in the '80s. Not all of them were these these deep emotionally. Uh, psychologically driven films like yeah. you had in the seventies. It was a, a lot more fluff. This yeah. has got a lot of fluff. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. You just kind of have to accept that going into it. Yeah, you buy into that. Like if you're, right. you can you can look at this movie in in two ways. You know, you can if you're gonna go into it expecting like a serious dramatic story uh, about this conflict in the town and this battle between Ren and and Reverend Moore. You're probably going to be let down. Yeah, it's not because that's not really what it's about. Yeah, like, if you're if you're going in for that feel good '80s movie, you're going to be totally fine. Yeah, I mean, it, you sh- you know from the if you you know from the beginning, it's all going to work out for these guys. So yeah, you're just along for the ride at that point. You know, it's not going to be that hard fought battle. Some of the interesting movies talking about the Pens, the Penn brothers. Okay, you look at some of Sean Penn's movies, which I think we're going to cover. You know, one or two of those this year. Uh, He's one of those rare actors who was, you know, kind of driven towards the 80s movies that didn't have the happy ending. Mm-hmm. He's kind of a tragic guy, right? Well, I mean, he's not a tragic guy, but he, <laughs> I think he's attracted to the tragic characters and, yeah. you know, uh, much darker movies. Besides Fast Times, it was kind of like everything after that. Bad Boys, um, uh, when I, I was just about to say first blood, but that's not right. At close uh, range, uh-huh. um, colors, you know, th- yeah. those uh, Falcon and the Snowman, that kind of stuff. Yeah, but, I mean that stuff's much, you know, in a, in a certain way, much more interesting and engaging and and, and thought provoking. So yeah, it, it, certain artists are gonna go, are gonna go that way. They're gonna yeah turn that. But, but you this know, is this is not inter- that movie. You need yeah. entertainment too. Yeah. You know they're. These need to exist to counter that. Yeah. Because you can't have all it's okay drudgery to, and misery and, like, yeah. <laughs> deep, you know, this it's is okay. okay. It's okay to have feel-good movies where, you know, maybe it's not reality, but the good guy wins, you know. Yeah. And it's not and it's not Actually, that, both of them win because at the end, Reverend yeah, sure. Moore is dancing outside with his wife and they're finally, like, he's yeah. happy again. He's back to, yeah, where, where they all start, where they yeah. started from. He's accepted that his daughter's moving. I mean, it was on. it was it was almost paradise. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and this is what I think is great. It's not one of those movies. Well, I can just turn my brain off and all that. It's like it's not just a popcorn. It's not a popcorn movie or anything. I think feel good is yeah. the, the right term you yeah. used. I think that's you need those. Um, Indiana Jones is a popcorn movie, right? And perfectly done. Yes, but and it, boy, does it feel good too. And it feel good. <laughs> Uh, but this, you know, this movie keeps coming back. The, the music stays. If you know, if you listen to '80s, an '80s station, that music's gonna pop in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a remake, as we mentioned, in 2011. Mm-hmm. I did not see the movie, but I watched the trailer, and they ripped off the whole movie. Oh my god, it looks like I'm like, is this shot for shot? Is this <laughs> like what they did with Psycho? Yeah, I wonder if the, they just like made sure to leave in iconic. From the, for the movie, iconic moments. Yeah, that then they can use that. Seems to like a lot, though. Yeah, like the train. Like, I mean, I think the chicken, the game of chicken, is a little more intense. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, there's an explosion. I think somewhere. Sure. Yeah. Um, the, the 
one thing is I don't think the the dancing is is fine in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's very eighties. Yeah, you know, very. It, it's just very eighties, and the dan- I, I imagine the dancing in, uh. The, car, the the remake yeah. is a little more like like the dancing would be today. Yeah, you know, pretty yeah intense. Pop like, and lock and all that. Pop and lock. Hey, well, the kid popped and locked at the end of this. That's movie. true. Yeah, like, yeah, and boy, did he go for it. <laughs> His popping and locking was insane. Yeah, <laughs> all these white kids just going, going for it. <laughs> like, Not one <laughs> ethnicity around, just white small town white, white. white people. By the way, movie doesn't pass the Bechdel test. No, either, no so. I don't think so. <laughs> We want to put all our cards on the table. <laughs> yeah. So it's an F there. Another eh. <laughs> <laughs> the we may hit a lot of those, unfortunately. <laughs> but Every movie you love fails the Bechtel test. <laughs> so if you're looking for a movie, a feel-good 80s movie, this is definitely right at the top of the list. Yeah. Um, get in don't, you know, Don't take it super seriously. You'll get a little, a little bit of you know, drama in there, but yeah. uh, you know, nothing, nothing that crazy. So. Yeah. Uh, if you're looking for that, then yes, absolutely give this a rewatch. Yeah, give it a shot. Because it's now been re For your pleasure. For your listening pleasure. Mm-hmm. But boy, you know, like this has been... I think I, I started, I've started to see Ren's point of view yeah. through all of and, this. Uh, wait a... Hold on, we're getting a, a, a telecommunication. Okay, Stan... Oh, oh. We've got looks like Silas Buttermaker is uh, is is back. He's coming. He's he's he needs to. He's going to release another statement. So okay. we'll get we're to gonna, that soon. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's he, well, okay. About five minutes. Okay. Yeah, we'll, let's wrap this up. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, you're right. We'll wrap this up. Uh, we want to say thank you to <clears throat> excuse me to some of our friends as we do every week. Curtis Moore, mm-hmm. that was. Not so much a poster, but a snapshot of reality. Yeah, of our that's our Mm -hmm. Tuesday morning, really. Mm -hmm. But uh, and E.K. Wimmer, uh, don't forget to check out his podcast, uh, Laser Graves. Always a fun listen. Check that out wherever you listen to your uh, podcasts. And uh, we uh, just want to remind you guys: check us out on iTunes. Give us a five star review. We uh, need those to bolster the the show's uh, life. Yes, please. It helps us out. Uh, just also check us out over on our Facebook page. Say hello. Check out our tweets and our Instagrams at Reconcinimation. Love to hear from you. Uh, any comments or any some? Uh, just throw a like in there once in a, once yeah. in a while. But uh, we'd love to see you. Um, but yeah. And uh, we always love to hear if you guys have some something you want to hear us cover. Just send us a tweet. Yeah. It's all it takes. It You're up. one tweet away from uh, putting that out this there. This is your show, mostly. That's no, our show, mostly. But it, it's your show, too. Let us know. Okay. Uh, apparently, he's ready. Uh, we're right. going gonna to send it over to, to Silas Buttermaker right now. <clears throat> Whereas we, the board of Reconcinema Studios believe ourselves to be open-minded and entirely inclusive, and whereas we agree with the findings that dancing in public or private is beneficial as acts of exercise, expressions of art, honoring for bountiful crops, and celebration of life. Now, therefore, we rescind the ban on all forms of dance on or about all Recon Cinema properties from now until the end of time.